0: Father God we just want to say thank you for this day for the opportunity to come and to worship and to sing songs and just to be with fellow believers and Lord as we gather we know that we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are suffering today and Lord we just want to lift them up to you Father we pray for the Edmonds family who lost their brother a husband, a father, God, you know how difficult it is more than any of us to lose someone you love. And God, I just pray that you'd be with his family during this time. And God, we also pray for David's mom. God, that you'd be with her. She's in rehab after a car wreck. We thank you for letting her be okay and not letting anything be worse than what it was. And we just pray that you continue to be with her. We thank you for allowing Helen Scruggs and Tina's mom and, and Dan Belcher to come home over the past few weeks. Lord, just thank you for, for all those good things. And Lord, we thank you for Henry coming home last night. And God, you know there, there's still a, a few things left there that need to be addressed. So God, we just pray for his health today. God, that you'd be with him. Be with Ruth as she takes care of him. And Lord, we pray for John and Betty Bruce. Lord, just be with them as they Continuing to battle with just health issues and maybe COVID and some other things. God, just be with them this morning. Lord, we could pray all day long for physical, worldly things um, and never be done. Lord, you know there's an infinite number of spiritual needs that we have in our own lives, but also in the lives of the people around us, with family and friends and God, we just ask that you would be with us today, Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit would come and be present among us, be present in us. God, if there's anybody in this room right now who has not asked your Holy Spirit to come into their life, I pray that they would cry out for that. God, that we would ask for your Holy Spirit to enter in and to work in us, to, to, to mold us and change us and shape us into the men and women that you want us to be. Lord, we pray for that this morning. God, we just ask that you would touch us. And Lord, like when the song said, where we see a mountain, you see a mountain move. God, you can see things that we cannot see. And Lord, as we talk about truth today, I pray. I pray that you would speak into our hearts, that you would give us clarity, that you would help us to see the way that you see. Help us to know truth the way that you know truth. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for this time that we have together. We pray that you would be with us. And we love you. And we ask this in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, it is good to see you guys this morning. If you're unaware, this past week we had a baby and we had COVID. So... I am out of quarantine, but if uh, I haven't come by and shook your hand or anything, I'm trying to kind of distance myself just to make sure. But I'm officially out of quarantine today, but I'm um, glad to be here with you. Could not wait to get back. Um, I was super excited about this series, and, and Pastor Timmy shared with you uh, Daniel chapter one last week, uh, just talking about obedience, even in the midst of crazy situations, circumstances. Uh, I encourage you over the next month to really look at the book of Daniel, um, to read it, to read it over and over and over again, it is an amazing, uh, an account, an amazing account of this young man. But not only a young man, you know. Sometimes we forget the, the book of Daniel tracks him over his life. So you're dealing with a teenage boy in the beginning, but by the end, when you reach the lion's den, we still think he's a young boy, but he's about eighty something years old by that time. And so you're you're, you're tracking the life of this man. Who is living for God through the longevity of his life, in some really crazy and harsh circumstances? And so we're in a time in our world where uh, where we're in some pretty crazy circumstances that we are not used to being in. Um, and I don't know if there has ever been a time that we can visibly see people just reaching and grasping for truth. When you think about our culture and our world that we live in right now, truth is one of those things that we just can't seem to get a grasp on what it is. Whether you're talking about politics or healthcare or uh, media information, uh, th- there's so many things that that we we want truth. We want to know the answers to, right? And you just can't seem to nail it to the wall. It's like Jello. It just falls apart and hits the ground and splats. And you don't know, I, I know one of the most frustrating things for Hannah and I over the past few months dealing with the baby is going into the doctor and the particular doctors we were using. Um, and they're part of a big organization. So it wasn't like it was their fault, but you know, we would go in one time, we would wear masks. mask. The next time, no mask. We go in the third time, wear a mask. And the next time, no mask. And it was just like back and forth, back and forth. And the joke was, is like, huh? were we wearing masks today? I don't know. We'll see when we get there. Uh, but there's, there's no, there's been no concrete anything over the past three years. Everything is just fluid and it just moves and it's constantly changing and nobody can put their finger down on anything. And I want you to see and understand today that we're living in a world where people are constantly grasping for truth. That we want solid answers, right? Like, like we want to know, like, what is the right answer when it comes to like health stuff with COVID? What, what's the right answer when it comes to politics? What's the right answer when it comes to the? and, And then this whole idea of spirituality, like spiritual truths. Spiritual truth has been brought into question probably more than anything over the past several years. And you have this generation of people who are used to, no one wanted anything to do with spirituality. People ran from the church. People ran from God. And now you, you see our culture that is really like kind of making this pendulum swing back to spirituality. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but they're having a really hard time. having a really hard time with figuring out what spiritual truth is. I had a conversation with one of my wife's cousins at the Christmas party this past year. It was a really fun conversation. It was intense and it was long. And we were like kind of huddled over in the corner. And, And the whole thing was, is this person was more interested in the books that had been taken out of the Bible, whenever Scripture was being canonized. And there was more questions based off of what books were not included in what we consider the Bible and Holy Scripture, the inerrant Word of God today, than there was about the Bible. You with me? It's a huge issue. Most of you probably don't like TikTok, but but I, I'll just, it's one of the only social media things I kind of like follow a little bit, and I'll just kind of scroll through when I'm really bored and have nothing else to do. And it's all over TikTok. People are talking about all these different books and all these different things. And why was it taken out? And and there's all these questions. We need to understand today that our God is setting the table for a wonderful, amazing helping of truth. But here's the thing. You and I as believers in Christ need to be ready to help serve that portion of truth to a world that we are living and involved in. And today, when we talk about Daniel, we're talking about how God reveals truth. And it's very important for us to understand that, that that we serve a God who wants to reveal truth. You with me today? The world for so long has been saying truth is relative, truth changes, truth is, it's just whatever it is in the moment in time. But we serve a God who has eternal truth and wants to reveal truth. And you and I need to be at a point in our lives where we are ready to come alongside of God and help let that truth come to light. Because here's the thing when you read the book of Daniel. We read the book of Daniel as Daniel is the main character. Like he's the one that we're following and he's the one that we're like super interested in. Like here's this young man, he's very influential and he's obedient to God and then he does these amazing things and then he's in the lion's den and and Daniel is this fantastic man and yes, he was a fantastic man of God, but we forget so many times that Daniel is the second-hand character. He's the supporting character of the book and the main character is and always has been God just like it is all throughout scripture. So when you read the book of Daniel, you're reading from the perspective of a supporting character as in somebody who is there to do God's bidding and do God's will in the world. And it's easy for people to track him as the main character because we forget a lot of times, we forget God. But in this book, Daniel is the supporting character. So let's read chapter two, verses one through six. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. You can turn to your Bibles there. It'll be on the screen. Let's read verses 1 through 6 together. It says, One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, long live the king, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream, and what it means. So point number one this morning, if you're taking notes, there are many mysteries in following God. And you need to understand this, like this is one of the biggest things that we have to come to an understanding of as believers in Christ, is that there are so many things that are going to be mysteries to us as followers. We're not going to understand everything. How many of you like puzzles? Puzzles. I don't like puzzles. I hate puzzles. I think they're really boring. I don't like just sitting there. three-year-old son loves puzzles. And he can put together some puzzles that are pretty far beyond his capability. Um, and so we sit down last night, we, we've been confined to our home for the past several days, We're, we've been pretty bored. We sit down last night and we got out this probably like a 500-piece puzzle, like an adult puzzle. And it's a really stupid puzzle, because it's all these like pictures of cats. All right? I'm not an animal person, I'm just not a pet person. But you got all these pictures of cats, and it has like the same pictures of cats in different places. So you're just like, "Oh, I'm putting this together," and, you, and it actually has letters. On, it's so confusing that it has letters on the back to let you know what section it's in to make sure you're putting together the right section. That's how annoyingly confusing it is. So we're sitting there putting it together. And finally we just said, Okay, this is this is too hard. We started separating the letters out on the back and we were putting together different sections, and then at the end of the night we brought the sections together and finally put them together and finished the puzzle. And it wasn't that hard once we like separated them out in their sections and we did them. God is very much like that in our lives. As people, we like to give ourselves a lot of credit. We like to think that we're in control. We like to think that we know what's going on, but in reality, God has given us <clears throat> small sections of this puzzle that we're working with, and you and I cannot see the big picture. And last night as we were putting together this puzzle, one of the things that we constantly were doing is, was fighting over the box. You ever done that? You ever put the puzzle together? It's like, let me see the box. Give me the box. And we're like fighting over the box because we're trying to put our section together and we need the box to see the picture of what it is we're doing so we can put our little section together. But you and I are men and women who have small pieces of the puzzle who literally cannot see the big picture. God is the one who has the picture and, and if we're looking for the answer, if we're looking for what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to proceed, how we're supposed to go about life... He's the one that we have to go to in order to get this. And when you look at this story right here, it's a super incredible story. God has a way of doing things that keeps everyone in this picture humble. You ever thought about that? God has a way of doing things and revealing truth and using us in ways that keeps every single one of us humble. And so in this story, the king's head's being scratched because the king sees something that no one else sees, but he has no idea what he's seeing. And it's amazing how God is wanting to reveal truth to him, but at the same time, the king has no idea what he's trying to say. And even in this moment, the king doesn't even really know that it's God that's the one that's saying this to him. God is just giving him this dream. And the posers, all the other magicians and the astrologers and all those people... They're being revealed in this moment that they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. And when you read the story, there's a lot of half-truths in what they're saying. Oh, king, no one can tell you this, right? No, No one can answer this question. And he says, no, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what I dreamed and what it means, I'll tear you limb from limb and I'll turn your houses into rubble. And they're quickly revealed as to who has no part, no authority. And there are a lot of people in our lives who speak very well. And there's a lot of people who who has weaseled their way in to our lives or in other situations who talk a big game and, and they fooled a lot of people. And they really don't know much of anything. You can think of somebody right now who's that person. In some situation, whether it's at work or whether it's just relationships, whatever. But God reveals the posers. He keeps the heads of kings being scratched as to not what's going on. And then Daniel, the man of God that we're going to be reading about, has absolutely no idea what's going on in this moment. I don't know if you've ever considered that. But even in this moment right here, Daniel does not even know that a dream has been dreamt. He does not know that there's a message coming. He does not know that God is trying to reveal truth in this moment. And so when you're looking at this passage... You have to understand God is working in very mysterious ways that don't make sense to people. And you and I are sitting here this morning and you have to be very careful because there's some of you who are very godly people and you love the Lord and you try to serve the Lord and you're looking and you don't feel like God has given you the opportunity or the ability to do things that you would like to do. Like I've talked to so many people a lot of times who said, I wish that God would have called me to be a pastor. I would have loved to be a pastor, but he didn't give me those gifts. And then you meet other people who say, well, I wish God would have given me the ability to do this or God would have given me. And so many times we look around and we, we covet other people's gifts and other people's strengths and what God is doing in other people's lives. And we neglect a lot of time what God is wanting to do in our life in completely different ways. And in this moment, you got to think, God is speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, who is not a godly man. He's given him a dream. He's given him this vision of, of things that are about to happen. And Nebuchadnezzar is not someone that we would look at and say, there's a godly man who deserves to know what God is about to do. He's not that guy. And you have to be careful this morning that you don't look around at your brothers and sisters in Christ And you don't judge one another in saying, well, they don't deserve to have that spiritual gift or they don't deserve to have that talent or they don't deserve to have that ability or they don't deserve to have that influence because God picks and chooses the men and women who he wants to use for certain things and we don't always understand why. And when you look at this story that we're about to read, here's Daniel, the man of God, the one who was obedient to God in chapter one that you read about last week, despite the situation, despite the circumstances, obey God and his law, even though it could have cost him his very life. He did it anyway. And Daniel's still a young man. He has not proved himself, but we know that he's a godly man, and yet he has absolutely no clue what's going on in this situation. We've been studying 1 Corinthians on Wednesday night. It's a very interesting book because you have this group of believers and Paul addresses them as brothers and sisters in Christ. They're believers, but they are mired up in sin. <clears throat> and it's amazing at the sin that they're struggling with inside their church, but at the same time they were all given gifts from the Holy Spirit whenever they accepted Christ into their lives. And they would not they're not people that you would consider being worthy of receiving the gifts that God has given them, but at the same time for whatever reason God had given them their spiritual gifts through the Spirit. You with me this morning? There are brothers and sisters, you look around in here today. Everybody look around. You got to do this. Look around. Look at the people around you. There are people in this room that God has gifted them with the ability to do things that you cannot and never will be able to do. Some of you may feel like God has not given me anything to do. And I challenge you to humble yourself and be somebody who comes alongside the people who do have the gifts and encourage them and support them in their gifts. God chooses and God works and God gives some people one piece of the puzzle and he might give other people five pieces of the puzzle. He might give other 20 pieces of the puzzle. But in reality, we're all together and we're supposed to be putting the puzzle together together, supporting one another. And last night, if Hannah and I hadn't been sharing the box and me and her and Perry wasn't doing this stuff together, we'd have never finished the puzzle. It'd probably been lost, thrown away. Naomi was doing her best to destroy it. But Nebuchadnezzar was chosen by God. And it didn't matter if he was a godly man. At this time, Nebuchadnezzar had not professed faith in God. He had not declared anything towards God at all. But the truth that God revealed to him was just a haze that he did not understand. You with me today? Like, like God chose him. God wanted to use him. God had something for Nebuchadnezzar. But Nebuchadnezzar could not understand it on his own. It was just a haze. And so God works in mysterious ways. God works in ways that says, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, I want to do something through you. I'm trying to show you something. But Nebuchadnezzar did not have the ability to truly understand what God was trying to do. He needed a person of God to show him and lead him. Act 2, Daniel enters in. Daniel chapter 2, verses 10 through 19. The astrologers replied to the king, No one on earth can tell the king his dream, and no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among people. You look at verses 10 and 11, and we're talking about the posers here. We're talking about the people who are pretending to know more than what they actually know, to have more ability than what they actually have. There's a lot of people out there who talk a really good game. When you look at verses 10 through 11, there's a lot of half-truths in that passage. No one can tell them, and that's halfway true. There's not a person on earth who has the ability to be able to say what God is doing and what that dream meant but God can give someone the ability you with me no king has ever asked for anything so great which may be true and no one except the gods can tell you your dream no one except the God can tell you your dream and God can reveal it he may not live here among us but he dwells with us and among us and in us. And he can reveal things through us to reveal those truths. So be careful in your life. Because there are people that are in your life who are posers. They talk a good game. They make you feel good. They tell you what you want to hear. They tell you just enough truth to keep you going. But they are not the people who should be surrounding you in your life. And in verse 14, I'm sorry, in verse 12, It says the king was furious when he heard this. And he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. Teenagers. Still young men. Within the first couple years of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Daniel and his friends at this moment had done nothing but been obedient to God and other than proving themselves inside the court with the leader of the court, they had really had no contact that we know of with Nebuchadnezzar at this point. So, when Arioch, the commander of King's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Underline that wisdom and discretion. We'll talk about that in a second. He asked Arioch, "Why has the king issued such a harsh decree?" So Arioch told him all that had happened. And Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and told his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah what had happened. And he urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. So point number two, prayer opens up revelations of truth. As a pastor, you have probably heard every pastor in the world say this at some point in time. But prayer should always be the first thing that we go to. Now I say that, but even as a pastor, one of the most difficult things in my life is to stop and to get on my hands and knees and to pray before I go meddling and doing anything else because I'm I'm a busy person. I like to be busy. I like to be active. And whenever there's a problem, I like to put my hands on it and solve it and fix it. It's one of the greatest joys I have in life is to fix things. And even in situations like my first instinct is to go and do. Anybody like that? That's a lot of people's first instincts. Go and do, go and fix, go and solve this problem and you look at Daniel, and you look at his reaction to this situation, you might remember what the two words were that described how Daniel handled the situation. Wisdom and discretion. Now, I don't know about y'all, we got a lot of teenagers in here today, we'll pick on the teenagers for a little bit. <clears throat> I don't know if you had your whole bag of adjectives that you would use to describe teenagers, But wisdom and discretion is not typically words that you would pull out of a bag to describe wisdom or to describe teenagers. Wisdom and discretion. It's not words that I would typically use. And it's no offense to them because most adults don't handle most things with wisdom and discretion. Anybody been on social media lately? We don't. Let's be honest. Like When it comes to life, Our first instincts are to go and do, to react, to do exactly like the magicians and the sorcerers and the astrologers did. Oh, King, we can't do that. No one can do that. You're just, this is something that can't be done. Our our first instinct is to rationalize and bring things to reality and think about things from, from a worldly perspective. But when you look at this godly young man named Daniel and his three friends, they do not go, and they do not beg for their life. They don't go, and they don't present a bunch of excuses like the posers did. He goes immediately to Nebuchadnezzar, and what does he ask for? Time. Thank you. He asks for time. Why do he ask for time? Because prayer takes time. It's one of the main reasons why we hate praying, because it takes time. It takes it literally takes time for you to get on your hands and knees and for you to just pray because you're not doing anything else. You're, you're, you're kind of submitting yourself in that moment to not doing anything to solve the problem that you are putting your full trust and faith in a God that you can't see to know that he's going to work and move on your behalf. And that takes time in order for you to do that. And time is valuable, isn't it? Time is valuable, especially when that time can be used in you putting forth your effort to try to do something, whether it be to solve the problem or go do something else. Daniel prays for time, or he asks for time, because prayer takes time. And not only does it actually take time while you're physically praying, but then once you pray, what else takes time? For God to answer the prayer. And a lot of times it takes a lot more time for God to answer the prayer than it does for you to actually pray. And that is the most difficult thing for us as people to do because when you look at this situation right here, I don't know if I would have handled the situation the same as Daniel did. I I doubt very seriously that many of us in the room would to go and just be like, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, just give me a little bit of time and we'll pray. And we're going to ask God to do this thing. Because most of us would have been saying, like, please don't kill us. Like, What do we have to do? Like, like, Give us something else that we can physically do, that we can actually accomplish for you to save our lives. But the situation was not something that they could do. It was something that God had to do. And when you look at Daniel being a young man... His wisdom and discretion, his his spiritual maturity beyond his years is revealed in this moment because the first thing that he does is pray. Just take a breath for a moment. And I want you to think about your own spiritual life. And the simple aspect of what you do the first thing when you wake up every single morning. And we claim to be believers in Christ, and we claim to believe in God, and we claim to serve Him, and we claim to want to spend eternity with Him. And how many of us get up in the morning, and the very first thing that we do is actually pray and cry out and seek His face and say, God, show me. God, lead me. God, guide me. God, help me today it should be the very first thing that we do. If we really believe what we say that we believe, the very first thing that we should do is cry out to God in prayer, not only in hard situations, but also every single day. But most of us live, and I'm guilty of this myself, most of us spend our whole lives rushing, 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 and then we back up. And whenever it's time When we've done everything that we can do, then we just drop back and throw a Hail Mary prayer up to God. Say, God, I've tried everything I can do. I can't do this now. It's time for you to do it. When in reality, it should have been the first thing that we did. And I know that's so cliche. And you say, man, every pastor in the world has said that. Like, we should pray first. We should do this. Like, this is the first thing that we should do every day is pray. And blah, blah, blah. And it sounds really good, but it's not... No, it's not easy. No, I have not mastered it myself. But it's something that we should be doing and striving to do as children of God is to every single day, the first thing that we do, cry out to him because God wants to reveal truth to us. And prayer opens up revelations of truth in our lives. And Daniel understands this. And he goes and he encourages his friends to pray. And then as soon as they pray, in this instant, God answers pretty quickly, which is nice because a lot of times he doesn't always answer that quickly. You can read a passage of scripture later on in the book of Daniel where it takes like 40 something days for God to answer his prayer. And you figure out why. We need to understand that prayer is so vitally important and Daniel is not worrying, he's not fretting. Daniel is not scheming, he's not planning their escape, but he literally says, "Okay, God, you're the answer. And if you don't answer, we're all going to die." Now, how many of you would be willing to stick around for that? Like, we're going to pray and we're going to seek God, and we believe it so much that that We're going to stay here, and if God doesn't answer, we're all going to die. But we're here, whether he answers or not. Let's look at verses 27 through 30. And as Daniel appears before Nebuchadnezzar, he replied, There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. And this is where you start to see real truth. When you have somebody who knows the God of the universe, who knows what comes from him and what doesn't, this is where you start to see real truth. You remember I said the the, the posers, the other people were just telling half-truths. And Daniel acknowledges, no one can reveal the king's secret, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay in your bed. In verse 29, while your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. You look at this situation right here. Nebuchadnezzar promised riches and rewards and all these things. And Daniel could have came in and he could have acted like he was the savior of this kingdom and he was Nebuchadnezzar's answer and he was the right-hand man and all this stuff came from him. But this wise and discreet young man handles the situation with perfection, not because he is perfect, but because his attitude and his mind and his heart is focused on God. And the answer is not about him elevating himself, because if you read the entire passage, Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, keep your gifts, keep the rewards, keep all the stuff you offered. I don't want it. That's not why I'm here. God has revealed something to you, and God wants you to know what's in your heart. And there's some of us in here inside the body of Christ who needs to look around in this congregation And you need to see some young people and maybe some people who have some gifts who aren't the most pleasant people to be around or maybe they're not as spiritually mature as what you think they should be or maybe they're not as godly as you think they should be and you need to come alongside of them and you need to help them understand God has given you this gift so that you can serve him. God has given you this ability so that you can glorify him. God has given you this so that you can bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And even though we may not have the gift and we may not feel like we might deserve the gift a little more than them, that we come alongside and we say, I am here to help you see what God wants to show you in your heart. Because that's exactly what Daniel did to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel didn't come in and say, I'm the godly man. I should be in charge. I should be the king because I can tell you what your dream meant. No, he came alongside Nebuchadnezzar and said, God wants you to see what's in your heart. God wants you to know that He is the one true God, that He is revealing truth to you. And even though He gave you the dream, He still creates the opportunity that you can't answer it on your own. And while you're sitting here scratching your head, that He can speak to someone else in order to tell you the dream that you dreamed, that no one else knew what it was, and He can also tell you what it meant. And as believers in Christ, we're supposed to come together with our pieces of the puzzle that God has given us and put it together to form the bigger picture that's going on. Because if you're not careful, it's really easy to live our lives focused on the little piece that God has given us. We just focus on our life, our family, our job, our hobby. We, we just focus on that. We think that's... This is it, man. This is the greatest thing ever is this little thing right here that I have in my life that that I'm doing and this is what I'm focusing on. When in reality, God has just given you a couple pieces of the puzzle and he's got something much bigger that he's doing and you're supposed to be a part of it. Any of you ever put a puzzle together and you find out at the end you were missing a piece? It's the most frustrating thing in the world. You're just like, oh, we're done. Oh, crap, we're not done. Then you got to look for the peace. And you don't know where it is. And the problem inside most of our churches today is that we're trying to do this thing. We're trying to build God's kingdom. We're trying to put together this, this big picture. And so many people have just clung to their little pieces that God has given them, and we have not done a very good job of bringing them together to do what God is wanting us to do. But God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to understand what was in his heart. And he wants you to understand what's in your heart. And you you can sit here this morning and you know like there are things in your life that you know like this thing is significant. This moment is significant. This situation is significant. These circumstances are significant. And you can identify the significance of something. But like King Nebuchadnezzar, it's just this haze of truth. And you can't figure out why. And you can't figure out exactly what God is wanting to do or what he's wanting to show. But the truth is, is that if everybody is doing their part and we're all praying, and we're all supporting one another, and we're all there for each other, and we're all bringing our pieces together, it's amazing how the big picture ends up coming through In the long run. But you got to be willing to humble yourself and to support other people and join your pieces up with other people in order to see what God is trying to show us. As believers in Christ, we have to acknowledge the need for truth. And I know, like, there's a hunger. In all of our hearts, for medical, political truths, for for us to just kind of know what's going to have an answer, to have something to stand on going into the future. But there's also a need for us to have spiritual truth in our life. And you're not the only one that desires it. There's a world out there looking for spiritual truth. And as believers in Christ, if we can come together. We can show them the big picture of what it is that God's wanting to do, of what God wants to do in their hearts, what God is still wanting to do in our hearts. God is wanting to reveal truth. The question is, is, how willing are we to be humble enough to pray and seek God and ask Him to reveal it? To say, "God, I'm not running away." I'm not going to get frustrated. I'm not going to scheme. I'm not going to plan. I'm not going to manipulate to get what I want or get what I do. But God, I'm here. Even if we die, I'm here. I'm here until you reveal truth. God is setting the table for a world that's hungry for truth. And I believe more than anything that God wants to feed truth Not only to us as his believers, but also to the people in the world who are hungering and searching for spiritual truth. For salvation. To know the God. That that innate desire that God has put in every single one of us. And the question is, are you just going to hang on to your little piece, your little section that you've been given? Or are you going to be like Daniel and you're going to bring your pieces to the table And put them together so that the big picture, the big truth can be revealed. Not only for you and not only for an individual, but for everyone to see and understand. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come together and acknowledge you as God. Lord, I pray that you would speak into the lives of these men and women, whether young or old. God, I pray that you would help us to seek you first above all things. Help us to give our hearts to you completely. Help us when we wake up in the morning to cry out in prayer and just ask you to lead us and guide us and show us. Not so that we could benefit, not so that we can have something that no one else has, but Lord, so that we can help others See who you truly are. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time together. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed today.